When a child is diagnosed with a serious, life-threatening illness, the entire family is affected. These stories from those families, especially when faced with challenging decisions, will move and inspire you. The parents are courageous and resilient in their determination to keep their family strong. Courageous Parents Network promotes their insights so that others may also find hope and strength. Welcome to the Courageous Parents Network podcast series. In this episode, CPN talks with Leslie Erdanita, Family Support Coordinator for the National MPS Society, a community for individuals and families living with MPS and ML, about how the society supports its families through the relatively new landscape of clinical trials. Leslie Erdinetta. I'm the Family Program Coordinator for the National MPS Society. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and work to oversee our family programs and also part of my role is in our Pathways Program to work with our newly diagnosed families. Before taking the job with the National MPS Society, I volunteered with the organization and with families for about 12 years. I got to know and develop pretty close relationships with a number of families and saw very much kind of the natural progression of what life looks like for a child or a family dealing with MPS. When I first learned about MPS through a school project, the section of my paper about treatment options was very short because there really were none. Clinical trials were not really a thing. They were not something that was open to our families and were not possibilities, not options for for many people. I share with our newly diagnosed families that a lot of what they may go back and read from things printed around that time, so 10, 15, 20 years ago, I share with them very often the landscape now looks extremely different than what it did before. Even some of these syndrome types where there's not an approved treatment, there may be options for clinical trials now where they didn't exist. There may be options for something you can do to change an outcome that didn't exist before. It's still never a guarantee, but at least there are things that exist, and those just were not present 15 years ago. When we get a call from a newly diagnosed family, the urgency that a family feels is probably the number one thing that we hear. It is, what can I do in this moment to improve my child's life? What can I do to stop the progression of this disease? What can I do to change the outcome that I've just been told is going to happen to my child? From the perspective of a family program coordinator, or working in our Pathways program, or any of these kind of similar roles, from sort of a social work role, a lot of times what our role is, is to come in and tell families all of their options. and. For somebody that has a treatment option, so some of the MPS types that have an approved enzyme replacement therapy, there's, there may be one choice. There may be one choice of an approved option and maybe several clinical trial options. So if you have any clinical trial options available to you, it's our role to come and tell you all of your clinical trial options. So not handpicking one over another, but if you have multiple choices, giving you all of those choices, telling you what each one of them are, and the implications of any of those things. Same with an approved treatment. It's kind of our role and our responsibility to educate families on 
whatever might be available, whatever that looks like. The first kind of foundational step is to ensure that a family has a good understanding of what the diagnosis is and what they are trying to do for a treatment. We have people kind of inundated with different options, particularly with clinical trials, and they're trying to make a decision and we first need to make sure that they know and understand and have the educational background and information to make that informed decision on something that may be, if you're trying to decide, for instance, whether to give, um, give an, an IV treatment versus a treatment that's much more invasive. What does that look like and do you understand what the side effects may be? And that foundational level of education is so crucial. Inclusion and exclusion criteria are challenging and I think having families understand why they exist is helpful because most of our trials right now deal with safety and efficacy of a product that is not readily available. And the base understanding of inclusion and exclusion criteria are that they need to see whether or not something is safe. So those criteria are in place for a purpose to ensure that we have accurate data to move forward and open it up to other patients if this is a safe and effective process. That said, it's very tricky for our families, particularly those who may fall just outside of some of these criteria. We know that in the rare disease space, the risk-benefit model shows that families are much more likely to take higher risks, more intense risks, more challenges, because they're up against a disease that's terminal. And so we hear that over and over and over, I will do whatever I can for my child. And absolutely, we know that and we understand that. And the thing that is important for families to know is just what is, what is safe and what is gonna benefit the most children and what's going to ultimately help benefit your child. And can we do something to help can we help your child? And it may not be that this trial is the most appropriate way to help your child. There may be another option. And talking to industry partners, too, about understanding what that looks like for families and the importance of industry kind of stepping in and some of these companies and, and physicians working with this population to do screening for as many children as possible so also the parents can feel like they have done something. If you feel like you have gotten to a point and you have gotten screened, even if you are screened out, you've done something and you've made a difference for your child. I remember a conversation with a parent that I had whose son was enrolled in a clinical trial and she had already lost a child to one of these diseases and so she came to me and said, I'm not sure how to interact with other families right now. I don't fall fully into the category of being a bereaved parent, though I am, but I'm also in this new category where my child has been treated for something and is showing benefit, so I don't fully fit into this other group either, and I'm not sure what to do and where to go and how much of my story I can share. And I think that part of our role is to encourage families to share their stories where they are, not where they want to be or where they think that they should be, but where they are and what it looks like. So a lot of families who don't have any sort of treatment options see these families and children who have been dosed with something or treated with something as models for what they want. And 
see, okay, this is what I want my future to look like. This looks fantastic. But also encouraging those families who do have children in trials to talk about it realistically and the struggles that they've made because being in a clinical trial takes a lot of risk on a family too. And we have seen trials and things where outcomes are not what were expected. And that's challenging as well. The biggest misnomer that I see with families around clinical trials is that this is a treatment or a cure for my child. This is what I want. This is what I'm striving for is to get my child in a clinical trial and things are going to be great. Where there's a struggle is when we see that these clinical trials are most often right now for safety and efficacy of a drug that's not approved. and. So we don't know what the outcomes are. We need to wait, we need to be patient, we, we have to see what it looks like. A clinical trial is not the be-all, end-all for, for a family. There can be situations where there's great benefit, and we've certainly seen that, but that's not always the case. And so we want to make sure that families have a good, realistic view of what it truly looks like to be in a trial. And I will ask families the question, what do you view as a cure? What do you consider an outcome that would be curative? What, what does that look like for you? Different families will come back and say different things. Some of them will say, well, I just want my child to produce her own enzyme. Other families will say, well, then that means my child won't have MPS anymore. It's held out there as this wonderful, beautiful thing that everyone is working for, but it looks very different to a lot of families. And I think using that word a little bit too loosely can be very challenging, particularly for some families whose children may be older, who a cure may look very different. A cure may look to them as some something that others see as symptom management. Mm -hmm. And it's very differently perceived by different families and individuals. Thank you for listening. For more stories and conversations, as well as videos, downloadable guides, and decision-making resources in English and Spanish, visit CourageousParentsNetwork.org. CPN is available 24-7 for parents and providers as they strive to provide the best care for the child and the entire family.